actually ask the question, Lord, why is this here? I would challenge you as you do your scripture reading on a maybe daily basis, um, even as you work with, in your Sunday school classes, as you're uh, sitting under the preaching of God's word here, say, Lord, why? Why did you put that here? Now, uh, we need to be careful to make sure we answer it correctly as we interpret scripture well and rightly, but this is really important for us sometimes to grab the understanding and meaning of a passage uh, in order to then see what God wants for me to learn from it. So why in the world would God include an entire chapter, 44 verses, really about the story of Paul getting from Caesarea over to Rome? I, I mean, there's so often, in you walk through the book of Acts, and you'll, you'll see that it just lists it real quick. They went from here to here to here to here, and then they ended up here. And we don't get any travelogue. And now, for some reason, God parks at the end of a book. This is coming to the high point in many ways. I wish I could preach the whole book of Acts for you this morning. I can't, all right? Uh, you'll have to learn that later. Pastor, Pastor Cochran, you'll preach that sometime, right? There we go. Okay, all right. I'm already giving him a hard time. There we go. Um, uh, you come to the end of the book at a high point, something that God wants us to learn, and he stops and gives us this massive chapter on the travel. Why, Lord? Well, okay, I'll, I'll do some study for you real fast, all right? Um, it's going to answer for us a question that I think is vital to our living today in the United States of America in 2023. And that question simply is this. How do I live my life when it seems that much of it is totally out of my control? Uh, are you there? Have you been there? Will you be there again? Probably. Where it seems as though the things that are happening in my life, I really have no say about it. It's just happening. <laughs> and what do I do about that? Um, maybe I'm going to pick on you husbands here for just a moment today, husbands and fathers. Uh, you've been at work all day, been a hard day at work. You come home, you know, and you're a little, little late from getting, getting home, and your, your stomach is saying, I want food and I want it now. Anybody like that? Okay. And you walk in the door. And your dear sweet wife doesn't have supper quite ready. The kids are running along like a bunch of banshees. Um, there's crayon on the wall that your wife didn't happen to see. I, I, maybe I should, maybe I should, one other caveat. Um, I don't know if there's any men like me. I'm, my, my family likes to tease me. I'm a little OCD, a little over the top, you know, everything's got fastidious. That's the way I like to put it. I'm fastidious. Everything's organized, straight in order. Um, I, I, I'm going to pick on Brother Mike Wilkwood. I suspect that that's his life. He's got these numbers. He's, you know, everything's in order. He puts everything in boxes. Uh, anyways, all right. Uh, is that you, Mike? I don't know. Is that? Could be. Okay. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right. All right. You walk in the door. And the, the, it's more chaos than orderly. And it's none of your doing, at least that's what you don't think, all right? It's not my doing, it's not my kids. You know, it's, it's, it's her, anyways. Um, what do you do in that moment? This chapter actually helps us address that. This story's on purpose. 
Now, that's what we might consider a small thing, but every part of our life is important before the Lord, is it not? How I live for my Lord when a lot of life is happening around me and I don't have a lot to say about it, but I'm responding to it. How do I live then? And so God in his wisdom, through Dr. Luke, stops and shows you specifically in Paul's life how he, with the Lord's help and with struggles, lived life when it was far out of his control. There was, he had, at this moment, he was a prisoner, you remember. He had pled to go to, to, to the appeal to Caesar, he wasn't getting any kind of fair trial. He understood that, saw that. He had some legal rights, he used them. And now, now he's imprisoned, essentially, again on a ship, a couple different ships. Not a lot of control. And then, then the Lord sends this storm. <laughs> uh, it was the Lord, you know. As, you know. I realize that there are plenty of governments out there who would like to say they can control the weather. And there are plenty of people that think that we are all about it. Um, I'm going to tell you that's not true. <laughs> okay. um, the Lord is the one that controls this universe, right? And yet, for some reason, God, in his good wisdom, sent Euroclidon. Um, I realize you're in, although you'll get a little bit. I used to live on the East Coast. We had these nor'easters that would run up the coast. Um, if it was wintertime, it was in Pennsylvania. In wintertime, you'd get dumped on, you know, like two feet of snow. It was great. You were out of school for weeks. They didn't know what to do with snow there. Anyways, okay. Yeah, anyway. In the summertime, it was like torrential rain, all right? I, I realize you guys probably get a touch of hurricanes here, right? Some of the, it just comes and it just, all right? God was in control of this one, too. With Paul in the middle of the Mediterranean on a ship that was hopefully halfway seaworthy. A lot of life out of control. Now, let me give a couple caveats today. As we walk through this and learn a couple principles today, we're not dealing with the trials that sometimes we bring on ourselves, i.e. our sin. Now, there are probably some principles that apply to that, but let us admit that there's some other things that need to happen when we sin. We need to get right with the Lord. Uh, the wages of sin is ultimately death. The path of sin is a path of destruction, even for the believer. And there are things we need to do to correct that path. So don't necessarily say, well, hey, I'm living in sin, and I'm going to apply all these principles to my life today. No, the first step for you is to get right with the Lord. And then, with the Lord's help, live with sometimes the consequences of your sin and have a sweet spirit and a right attitude in that space. space. All right, you understand that. Here, Paul is dealing with not necessarily anything because of his sin. In fact, they go against his counsel. And yet he still handled it right. Now, what can we learn today? So we're going to do this. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that, we're going to walk, just walk through the passage. Where's the clock on the back of the wall? There's no clock on the back of the wall. Lord bless you. <laughs> okay. I'll pay attention, all right. But we're going to walk through the 44 verses. We're going to stop and pick up some principles along the way. And that's where we'll write some things down. And I hope it will help us to learn why God included this passage for us. And then the Lord will help us to better live our life in this world where lots of things are beyond our control, and yet I live under it, around it, in it, through it. First one. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustus band. Then entering into a ship, 
of Adrumatium, we launched, meaning to sail the coast, by the coast of Asia. And one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. What a blessing have a friend along. And the next day, we touched at Sidon, and Julius, all right, now who Julius? We already told, he's a centurion, the Roman centurion. Um, we have this vision and view of Roman centurions that they generally don't like people. Uh, they're about killing people. All right, that's probably not a bad vision view here. And Julius, though, courteously entreated Paul, gave him liberty to go unto his friends and to, his, and to refresh himself. Um, as we mit, live in the midst of a life that's often outside of our control, never, and here's point number one, never miss God's small blessings along the way. Even in the midst of our trials and in a life that seems to be beyond our control, our good God always is good. Paul was refreshed by his friends. Could you imagine for a moment, two years or so in prison in Caesarea, uh, probably where we got some of his writings for sure. God didn't, he, Paul didn't waste his time serving the Lord even in prison. But uh, that's not a pleasant place to be. Um, the Roman prisons were uh, generally pretty nasty compared to our American prisons. <laughs> and, and here he's on ship, still a prisoner, and yet all of a sudden the commanding officer says, Paul, go, go refresh yourself. The wiser wherefores we don't know. All we need to know is this, that God was blessing Paul. Giving a little small, look for those in the midst of your trials, folks. And live with a heart of gratitude. Thank you, Lord for refreshing my soul. Um, for my wife and I, this new ministry of being president of Maranatha, um, people ask, how are you doing? And I say, crazy, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing crazy right now. Um, the schedule is, is intense, and yet uh, we stopped, and yesterday our flight got in a little early. We refreshed ourselves. I know it may not be a great place to eat, but we just stopped for supper at Cracker Barrel last night. Good old home cooking. I have, I have, it's like I eat some of my favorite stuff again. I love their fried okra. I know that for a northerner, that's crazy, but I love it. Anyways, all right. Um, and it was, and a little bit of more, and then, and then of all things, we were just, we were sitting parked. We talked for, I don't know, almost an hour with one of my sons. Dad, how you doing? So we sat in the, it's a rental car. I mean, I realized I was using up a little gas. With the air conditioning on, I, northerners never do this. You always roll your windows down and let the air in, but we sat in the, in the car for like an hour with the air conditioning. It was like glorious. <laughs> a few moments, and we come away because my son loves the Lord, following the Lord. We, I come away with my heart full, just refreshed. God does that for his children all the time, Amen. even in the midst of your trials. Now let's hasten on. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary and when, when we had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of Lycia. Now, what's happening, if you can envision in your mind the map, um, Israel on the east end of the Mediterranean Sea, all right? And they're heading west to go to Italy. They've gone under that island, Cyprus. They're heading around the southwest corner of Asia Minor, all right? That's where they're at, all right? Kind of give you an idea. Usually, the, in the sailing back in those days, they would not sail out into the middle of the Mediterranean, uh, they generally would keep always the coast in view. That was the typical normal way of, so they kept tight to the land. He said, man, there's a straight line. They could, no, they didn't want to do that. Uh, the boats leaked. <laughs> it 
and you wanted to be close to land, you wanted to know where you were all the time. So that was a very typical navigation process. So they're staying close to the land. And there, were, there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. So the question, we don't know for sure, did Julius remain with them? He's not named again, I don't believe, in the rest of the chapter. Uh, but whether he was there or not, God is still watching over Paul. And when we had sailed, slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, right? Sail boat, yes, they had oars, uh, but they still relied on the wind to push them along, and it was contrary, I was going against them. We sailed under Crete, another island, over against Salmoni, and hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens. Nigh unto two was the city of Laesia. Now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul and Majna, now what fast is this? Well, if we have this right, uh, if we can figure out the chronology of Paul's life, probably AD 56, this would have been in October. Uh, the, day of, the Day of Atonement in October that year was October 5. So we're talking about the fall season. Uh, they're in the northern hemisphere like we are, all right? So it's coming into fall season. Winds are contrary, those winds, and it's, it's going to be bad out there, all right? It's going to get bad in the Mediterranean. So it was now dangerous. It was past the good sea sailing season. So what did Paul do? Paul admonished them in verse 10, said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage was, will be with hurt and much damage not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our, the, of our lives. Now, why would, he, why would he, was Paul a sailor? That's not his profession. He was a tent maker. That meant him to probably be a landlubber, all right? Not a sailor. Now, those tent makers, those guys that stitch things, they would stitch sails as well. So he'd been around it maybe most of his life. Of course, by this point in his life, he had been on boats plenty. And yet, there was just common sense. Um... Look what, though, the centurion does. Verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship. Well, that seems rather reasonable, actually. Uh, the master wouldn't want to lose his income from making this, this voyage, all right, delivering cargo. And uh, so he trusted the master and owner, the guy that was over the ship, the owner of the ship. He trusted him more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven there in Crete, Fair Haven, it's kind of funny, it's called Fair Haven, it sounds like a good place to be. Well, it wasn't. Um, the haven was not commodious to winter in. The more part, all right, the other sailors advised, advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain unto Phoenice, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. It's on the far side of the island, they were on the east side of Crete. They wanted to get over to the west side. Why would they want to go over there? Isn't it Fairhaven a great place to hide? And in fact, we understand prevailing winds. You're, you're on the east side of that island. It would be protected. Why not stay there? I'll tell you why. Because Phoenice was the party town. And Asia wasn't. Nothing to do for a whole winter there. And the sailors said, hey, let's get the party town. Let's get to Vegas. All right, that's really what's going on. And so against common sense, they sail. Um, another point along the way here. So here's a principle I think that we can pick up that God wants us to grab. Many humanly logical and circumstantial reasons to listen to 
are actually not common sense or not wise. Worldly wisdom often leads to ruin. Now, what was Paul's authority here? Had he had a, a voice from the Lord? Thus saith the Lord. I, we can't necessarily say that in the passage here. Uh, he had some sense about him, verse 10. I perceive. How did he perceive? Well, it could have just been he's been around the ocean a long time. He knows what the date is. He understands winters are coming. And he says, guys, let's park here. I'm hearing rumblings about getting over to Phoenice. Um, uh, maybe that's not the place to be. Maybe we should stay here. It would be safer here. Could it be that the Lord had spoken to him? We're not sure. It could have been. At the end of the day, who was Paul? In the eyes of the sailor, the master, the owner, he was just a prisoner. That's all he was. Who's this prisoner telling us what to do? But actually, who was Paul? Well, we know. He was a servant of the Most High God. A man who had the lives of those sailors, that master and that owner, the centurion, he was concerned about their souls, not their partying. You see, often God's wisdom is counter to worldly wisdom. Young people here today, you may think mom and dad don't know a thing. They're not cool. They're old fuddy-duddies. And why do I need to listen to them? Could it be that because they walk with the Lord, they have some wisdom? And the wisdom of your peers, the worldly wisdom about you, is not giving you the wisdom you need. In fact, it's a rather foolish it's all about the party and not the well-being of your soul. Uh, it would have been good for them to follow Paul's wisdom here, but they did not. May we not get caught in following worldly wisdom, making that choice. Obviously, Paul had no choice here. The sailors decided, let's go, and so they did. Now let's hasten on. And when the south wind blew softly, verse 13, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. All right, let's hug the coast on the south side. Uh, let's see if we can't get around over there uh, to Phoenice. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euryclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, they let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat. That's an interesting phrase. Really what's happening is usually every big boat uh, hauled behind it. They didn't have room on the boat. They had the little dinghy. It was the, the, the lifeboat. And then they'd have it attached by a rope behind the ship. and just get drug along in the, in the ocean. Uh, well, they wanted to hang on to their lifeboat. So that's what they, they come by the boat. They secured the, the dinghy in case they needed it for a minute. Which, when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. Uh, so what did they do then? Well, then they took a bunch of ropes and they would actually throw them over the edge, hanging on to each side, and draw them under the ship. And could you imagine sailing on a boat like this and tie the, rope, tie the ropes together to hold the ship together? So it was like encasing the rope was around the hull of the ship to hold it together. It's like, I feel real secure right now. I've got ropes holding this wood ship together. <laughs> 
but it helped, all right? They would do that, put several of them along the way, tie them down and so forth, all right? So that's what they were doing. This was a pretty serious storm here. So they undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, all right, up near the coast, they strake sail, and so were driven not where they wanted to go, but the opposite direction. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. All right, so we're, now we're starting to, the master is losing money. Every, every little barrel going over the, over the edge, every crate going over the edge, losing money. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Now when you throw away all the stuff that you use to sail with, you're trying to get rid of anything that just is not worthy to hand on just to somehow keep this this boat afloat, you know you're in a dire place. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. So here's the context they're in. There is no possibility of human escape. They're in a spot where only God can act. Now, for Paul's sake, that's an okay spot. Believer, do know that our God works in our life in such a way that often, for our own good, for our spiritual growth, he takes it all away, and all we have is him. And that's not a bad spot to be. Now, it's a hard spot. It may be very painful. It may be full of anxiety and fear. But it's the right spot to be. Verse 21, And after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. Slight understatement, I think. <laughs> and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. Now, why would he say that? Because he needed them to understand and know that they had followed worldly wisdom. Your, your ways are not God's ways. You don't know the end from the beginning. I, I'm going to present to you a God, Paul says, who does. And he needed them to understand that their decisions had led them to what appears to be their death. So that then they would turn to trust in only God who could redeem them and rescue them even if they had died in the sea. And now, verse 22. I exhort you to be of good cheer. What? What? I I'm supposed to be smiling in the midst of this storm? What's your problem, Paul? Right, be of good cheer. Why, why, why? Okay, keep it on going. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. How does Paul know that? Well, he goes on, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wow! <laughs> what a great God we have. So, um, another point, all right, if you're writing notes from verse 22, 23, 24 here. Remember, it's not just what is counseled that's most important to you, but it often is, as I've already refer referenced in my illustration, it's who is counseling that's important. So now Paul is in a good spot. They didn't want to hear him before, but now they have no other option. <laughs> Our good God providing... Have you ever witnessed that way? 
where you, you, you happen to run across the path of an unbeliever who doesn't know the Lord, and they're at life's end. And now they're finally ready to hear the gospel. Maybe you have a family member or neighbor where you've tried multiple times, and they, they don't want to hear. They don't, you don't have the wisdom they want. They want their party. They don't care about their soul. Well, all of a sudden, these sailors are ready to listen. <laughs> and they're ready to listen to the right advisor. Not to the master of the ship, not to the owner, not to the fellow soldiers, uh, fellow sailors, but to the man of God. And so what does God do? God gives to these sailors even a wonderful promise that he, and here's another point, God is always greater than your trial, than your circumstance. Believer, you must live life this way, or you'll end up with all the common things that we face in our world today of anxiety, depression, that are brought onto your soul. I'm not saying all of that can be that way. There's medical reasons for some of that. But a lot of times we live that way because we're not trusting God as the bottom line. We're not trusting a God who has put us in a tight spot because he wants us to trust him. To know that he is always, he will always be the best answer. He will always provide for you in the midst of your circumstance. So, God is greater than my trial. So what does Paul tell him? Well, cheer up, because God's here. God will protect what's most important. There will be no loss of life. Could you imagine hearing that after you're sick, after you've thrown out a bunch of stuff out of the ship, you're being tossed right at the moment, and God says, you're not going to die. Now that's some pretty good promise. What a great God we have. Let's be willing to acknowledge who owns us, though, Paul says. The God whom I, whose, whose I am and whom I serve. Oh, believer, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your hard circumstance, remember, that circumstance doesn't own you. God does. God owns you. So, verse 24, don't start fearing. Paul, fear not. Don't start God will accomplish his will for you, Paul. And actually, not only will he accomplish his will for you, but he's going to do something through you. You're going to become, through your testimony, God's collateral blessing to these sailors. I don't know. We don't know because God didn't tell us. Did all of these sailors get saved? I don't know. But they lived another day on this life for hope for their salvation because Paul was on that ship. I can't see what God is doing in America. That's his work. I have some clues because Scripture gives me some wisdom, kind of like Paul in the midst of the storm. Don't go there. I think it's going to be bad. But in reality, because you're here today, because you're following the Lord, there's some collateral blessing that's happening to Huntsville, Alabama, because of you. Now, use it. Use it for God's glory. Use it to reach another soul for Christ. Use it to help your fellow believer follow the Lord. Just like Paul was here. I fear God. He's, he's saving our life. Now, let's hasten on. Verse 25. Wherefore, sirs? All right, all of you. Not just me. <laughs> I know the angel told me, but now I'm going to tell you, he said, Paul says. Be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. How be it? Ah, oh, what's going to happen? Howbeit we must cast, be cast upon a certain island. All right, so the trial was not done yet. It was still going on, but 
Use your trials, believers, in the midst of this to testify of your great God, like Paul did. And then, bottom line is, get back to work. The trial wasn't over. Just because God had given in his word, it's like, ha, ah, it's done. No, it's not done. Uh, verse 27, but when the 14th day, or so they've been like three days out when he gets the word, all right? <laughs> when the 14th day was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, all right, the Mediterranean east of Cilicia here, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. So here they are. We're two weeks into this storm. Um, aren't you glad that most of the hurricanes that come through are just a couple days and we're done? God, by the way, always seems to help us through the enduring process. In fact, James picks it up in James 1. He uses the word patience. If any of you lack patience, endurance, then ask God for wisdom and help. He will help you. Um, Paul had to endure. Often, believer, God gives you hope. Maybe in your daily devotions you find in the midst of your trial just some encouraging words. And yet that doesn't change the moment. It doesn't change the circumstance. But it also doesn't change your God. Aren't you glad? He's the same yesterday, today, forever. So in the midst of your trial, no matter how long it goes, God's still there, still walking with you. There's still work to do. Get back at it. Let's hasten on. So they were in the midst of the, the shipmen deemed that the, they were drawing nitro country, so they sounded. Uh, that's actually, it's, you, you're thinking of, you know, like we do today, you hear the echo? No, no, no. It's meaning they dropped a rope in the water, and it went all the way down. They knew when they hit bottom, pull the rope back up. They know, they measure it, all right? They go a little further, drop the rope again, all right? All right, there's, there's the end. Oh, the water, the, the, the land is coming. We're getting close to land because the bottom of the water is coming closer, right? All right, the dirt there. So that's what they sounded, found it to be 20 fathoms, about 120 feet. When they sounded again, they got a little further. They sounded 15 fathoms up to 90. Oh, okay, we're drawing close to some land. We can't see it's midnight. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, all right, remember that little dinghy they pulled on board, all right? Ah, here's our chance, all right? There's a bunch of prisoners on board. Well, as they were about to flee the ship, when they had let down the boat into the water, under the color, all right, they were pretending as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, not just out of the back. Paul said to the centurion, uh, God's man stepping in, doing God's work here, and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Oh, that's right, this preacher guy said that where our lives will be saved. Now this preacher guy is saying if we jump in the boat, we're not going to be saved. Oh, maybe we should stay here after all. They're willing to start listening. Now, they weren't saved yet. <laughs> right? They didn't accept Christ as their Savior, but they're listening to the man of God. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. As we live life, God can often even use what we would call a jerk, That's, I'm talking about Paul, to rescue us. Um, isn't it interesting that Paul, and this is going both ways, Paul had built such a relationship with the sailors, with the centurion and the Roman soldiers, that they actually at this point are going to listen to him. Um, that says something about Paul's love for them, I suspect. These were people that were concerned only for their life. They were going to take the ship and run to shore. 
leave them to flounder, more than likely the ship would be destroyed, as we'll see in a minute, it is. And they would lose their life. But these, these sailors could care less about that. They were just concerned about that. And yet, because of Paul saying to them, no, 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 you need to stay on the ship. This is where your, where your salvation is, is actually here. You'll be saved. Your life will be saved. Physical life will be saved. You stay on the ship. They were quick to listen. And God actually used the sailor, I'm sorry, the, the soldiers to stop the sailors from doing it. Amazing. Believer, your neighbor, your co-laborer, your family member who thinks you're crazy as a Christian, don't, don't neglect your relationship with them. Keep loving on them. Love the unlovely. Aren't you glad God did that to you? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? Should I not do the same to my neighbor? How much more so to a brother or sister in Christ who's in a trial? Come alongside. Be a blessing. Help them follow the Lord. Hear Paul helping these folks to save their physical life. So he goes on. And while the day was coming, verse 33, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. I wonder if that was the first time they'd ever had a prayer before their meal. Paul, not hiding who he was, willing to help them. And so in the midst of the trial, here's another point. In the midst of our trial, be willing to refresh both your body and soul. Eat and pray. <laughs> and that's what Paul did. Lord, thank you for saving our lives all the way to day 14. And thank you for having, at least we didn't throw out all the wheat on board. Thank you that we can have this, uh, you know, hardtack. But hey, give me some energy and strength. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for these sailors that stayed on the ship. And Lord, thank you for the soldiers that kept them on the ship. And thank you that you're going to take, over our, uh, take care of our life today. You're a good God. Now, wait a second. Why would Paul pray? He was looking for opportunities to tell them something far greater than just the prayer and thanksgiving for the food. He wanted them to know that this great God who is protecting their physical life can also redeem their soul. We don't have time today to go to Mylita with him in chapter 28, where he preaches the gospel. Many get saved. I wonder, I just wonder. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised at all, but this is just my imagination, all right? There's not a, there's not a passage of scripture here that tells us, but I suspect we're going to see a few Roman soldiers and a few sailors in heaven one day because they rode on this ship with Paul. And we'll get the rest of the story then. Won't that be great? I, tell, tell me what, tell me the rest of the story. All right, but for the moment, Paul is testifying of his God before these unbelievers. He's not hiding who he is. And he's refreshing them both physically with food, spiritually with a God who can save them. So we hasten on. Then were they all of good cheer. I'm in verse 36. <laughs> they finally got it. You know, they told them, cheer up! And now they're cheerful. And they also took some meat and we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. 276, if you're figuring it out real quick. 
So there's plenty of meat to go around. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship again and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken, uh, taken up the anchors, they, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands. Now, aren't you glad that the shipmen are still on board here? These guys are going to try to put that ship in this little, little ravine, essentially where the stream's coming in, or a little delta there, or maybe we can run the, the ship to shore and be safe. All right, so they loosed the rudder's bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made towards the shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, right? This is still out in the waterways. And the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. I guess they didn't have enough ropes around it, right? <laughs> And the soldiers' council, all right, now, all right, so the shipmen had tried to get away. Now the soldiers' council, uh-oh, the soldiers' council was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, was this Julius? I don't know. Maybe it was the other centurion. I'm not sure. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, he could care less about the rest of the prisoners, but this Paul guy, we got to keep him, all right, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces um, of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. What's the point of this last little section here? Remember what God had told Paul? Paul, you're going to get all the way to Rome. You're going to stand before Caesar, I promised you. You see, God keeps his servants safe. This really last little story is about Paul. The soldiers wanted to kill the, 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 the prisoners. Nope, centurion. God uses the centurion at this moment to stop. Uh, God wanted the centurion, the soldiers, and the sailors to know him. God wanted the citizens of Mylita to know him. God wanted the leaders, the soldiers, the citizens of Rome to know him. Thus, what did he do? He saved Paul. Oh, believer, aren't you glad that God is in charge of your life? Amen. And in the midst of the trials, when circumstances seem to be utterly against you, we have a God who will walk with you all the way. All the way to the end. Paul had ministry that God wanted to accomplish through him yet. Could it have been that Paul would have died in the sea and given glory to God that way? Yes, but that was not God's plan. God still needed to use Paul. And so in, in a circumstance where it seemed like there was no hope, this world was done with Paul, it seemed. God said, no, I'm not done yet. And so I'll use a centurion, I'll use some sailors, I'll use a storm to not only protect my servant, but to use my servant. Believer, it could be that in your trial, it's not about you. It's about your great God using you. Would you today trust God enough to say, God, my life is yours. You control the circumstances. I'll just follow. I'll keep my heart cheerful in the Lord. I'll trust his word. God had given his word, and God kept it. I'm going to follow the Lord. May God help us today to follow our great God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your good word to us. Thank you for including this true story in Scripture. 
Thank you that Paul showed us the way. It seems as though he was struggling a little bit, needed an angel to come alongside and say, don't fear, Paul. You're safe. I've got you. Thank you that we have the very living word of God written before us with the wonderful, precious promises to know that you are with us all the way to the end. And so, Lord, help us in the circumstances of life that are way beyond our control to continue to give praise to your name, to continue to have a heart that's cheerful in our great God, to continue to be the tool in God's hand to use us to affect lives that see us, observe us, may be a part of the problem, and yet they need us to minister to them. May we be faithful today in following you through thick and thin all the way to glory. Pastor, you come. We stand.